I'll bet you would be surprised to learn that love is a core component of keeping employees in the workplace. And if you don't want to talk about the workplace, then let's just talk about your own business, keeping clients or vendors or support staff engaged and motivated to be a partner with you. What is this love thing? Can research really validate that, that love is a necessary component of work? Because if it is, then a lot of us have been operating in our heads for years when we needed to stick with the premise that we learned in Sunday school <laughs> that all we need is love, really, that love is kind of the motivator and the key and the core foundation of success. So I hope that was enticing enough to get you to grab your friend and a glass of wine and listen to Dr. Debbie Dean talk about her dissertation on spirituality in the workplace and what love has to do with it. I'm happy to introduce Dr. Debbie Dean, and I'm a little bit jealous of the doctor part, but we've talked about that. Right. <laughs> I'm the girl with half a master's degree, and I'm okay with that now. But um, I love the work that you've done. When you told me about your dissertation, I said, we need to bring this onto the podcast because especially um, spirituality in the workplace mm-hmm. is such a huge part of showing up as a strong person. And people get that confused with religion. Right. And we're gonna set that straight today. Absolutely. So Debbie, give us the background. Who's Debbie Dean? And when did she become a doctor? Mm-hmm. And what led you to what you do today? Oh, thanks. Um, so I am Debbie Dean. I earned my PhD in 2017. And um, it was a long time coming. I did all of my degrees while I worked full time and raised family. So I have six kids. Um, I've migrated across the country from Kentucky to Iowa, now in Colorado, and I worked in corporate for over 20 years. Um, And then once I earned my PhD in 2017 from Regent University, I was really looking at how can I pair these two things together, all of my work experience and now my academic experience. Um, So my dissertation was called Religion and Spirituality in the Workplace. And I looked at organizational commitment and job satisfaction to see if there was a relationship between them or even predictive power somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and you had some really interesting findings. There were three real core um, tenets of, of motivation in yes. the workplace that, that actually help companies retain employees. What are those three? Absolutely. So um, I used the spiritual leadership um, aspect, the spiritual leadership theory to, to test this out quantitatively. And I found that love was the top predictor of, as well as um, meaningful work and a sense of community. So those three, if we can love our people, um, build a sense of community, and communicate meaningful work to our employees, then they're more engaged, they're happier, they're willing to stay with you longer. Um, our, throughout this whole process, I coached our leaders in the workplace that I was at on those three components. We had some of the highest levels of engagement in the company, which is over 20,000 people. And wow. we had perfect like retention. People were not leaving at all. Perfect retention, yes. 100% retention. Yes, they just weren't leaving. Because retention rates are 
kind of out of control mm -hmm. in some industries, mm -hmm. maybe really across industries. Right. And engagement is hovering around 60% mm -hmm. in most industries. So what did greater engagement look like for this company? With 20,000 people, I think it's a wide enough sample that it's relevant. <laughs> well, now this was a, a company of 20,000. This was a department of about 36 okay. that I was working with, that I was coaching. So okay. when I did the study itself, I opened it up to several thousand people. Um, but when I coached, I just used the 36 people. And so what that looked like was... Um, you know, building that sense of community and love go hand in hand. Right. Because you're starting to know your neighbor's name, know who their kids are, know who their spouse is, learn about their life events, celebrate those life events. Um, so we were having activities at work, after work, and building real friendships, yeah. not just acquaintances, but well, friendships. And I want to just put a little pin in that for a minute because I, I'm sure that um, I'm not the only one who wonders well how does love look in the workplace mm -hmm. I mean from my own spiritual perspective I understand that love is the litmus test for just about any success but um, in the workplace people tend to to have a work persona and a personal persona so um, it sounds like love it really is just about seeing and acknowledging people caring enough to know them I mean is it that's it. That's it in a nutshell. We really overcomplicate things. Yeah. Um, it is truly just that, being empathetic, you know, caring about people. So if you have a, an employee that's pregnant or their spouse is pregnant, ask them about the pregnancy. Ask them about the baby. Have a baby shower. Um, if you have someone going through a divorce or a death in the family, you know, help them grieve. Yeah. Help them, help them to take time off work without feeling guilty about it. Well, and provide the backup help. Mm -hmm. Right. And some companies have a culture team whose responsibility it is to do that. Right. Just fantastic. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So go back into the study with this group of 36. Mm -hmm. Um, what did they did they state the reasons why they stayed in their job? Yeah, they just really felt this connection, this family connection that they had not felt before. So that sense of community and love was huge. Mm -hmm. And then the meaningful work aspect, that was something I had to work really hard to coach them on mm -hmm. because I had to first understand it myself. Right. And even in a large company like this, you go through um, all of the mission statements, vision statements, and you sort of start to back into what is the meaning of my work? Why do I come to work every day? And uh -huh. How does my work matter? And that was hard to do, especially when you started to talk to other leaders to say, why does my work matter? Well, if they can't articulate it and they're the leader, mm -hmm. then then it's really up to me to figure this out and train everybody on why their work matters. So that let the company get greater clarity mm -hmm. on why they do what they do. It did. The, the beautiful synergy with what I do is I, I like to help people align with to, to recognize their, what their passion is mm -hmm. and actually create a, a value matrix for deciding where they work and mm -hmm. how they conduct their lives. And to find that alignment with the company mission that aligns with your own personal values. Mm -hmm. It's also a really good indicator of whether you're in the right company or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. To to understand the visions and not just not just the vision and value of the company that's written in the, the manual or uh -huh. employee handbook, but what's truly being lived out in the culture. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. So what does a, a consulting engagement usually look like with you? Mm -hmm. So it can be large scale with a company that wants me to come in and test to see um, 
you know, how spiritual is the workplace? Is, are these components of spiritual leadership actually related to whatever their desired work outcome is? So maybe they have high turnover, uh, maybe they want more engagement, that's a real hot topic these days. Then we can see, does this uh, work with their actual group of people? So not just a theory, but practically, I can test all their employees with a scale and see, is this, does this matter? And then once we figure out the key components that matter most, then we can come back in and start training, coaching, nice. um, and really make a difference that way. So you're co-creating that program by doing using some of your research and your tools. Mm -hmm. You have your own assessments? Yes. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so nice when you can really customize an assessment. It is. Now, I bet I'm... Um, there might be one or two people who are still asking the question about spirituality in the, mm -hmm. in the workplace. So do some storytelling, if you can, about what it looks like to have spirituality apply to the way you lead, the way you relate to people, mm -hmm. and how it differs from what people would call religion. Yeah, yeah. So one of the main things I do right out of the gate is to um, define what religion is and what spirituality is. And because... When you are religious, you need that spiritual component mm -hmm. to relig religiosity, but you don't necessarily need religion for spirituality. Right. And so I have several quotes from the Dalai Lama and uh, from some other folks just explaining that we're all spiritual beings. Right. Um, trying to just, you know, flourish in humanity. So the, the idea of religion is more the dogma and the practices that you're probably accustomed to in you know, in a church setting. The rules. The rules. But the <laughs> spirituality piece, you can really find that whether you're sitting and reading a good book, you're listening to some type of music that's moving you inside your soul. Mm -hmm. um, one of our, one of my collaborators, they say that, that the definition of spirituality in a nutshell with one word is connection. Nice. And so it's that that feeling of connectedness, it's that feeling of... Um, we always get fun background noises in this patio. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps it interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but spirituality, you know, it's really what what brings people to life inside their soul. Yeah. So I like to use the phrase, nourishing the soul at work. And okay. so as a leader, my job then becomes, how can I nourish the soul of people work and it's not the same for every person yeah well you know I did that really without even knowing what I was doing in my last office job I created this very peaceful environment I always had soft music playing and a fountain going yes <laughs> and I had a salt lamp yes people wanted to come and sit in my office because it was really relaxing mm -hmm. there was nice art on the wall mm -hmm. and it's really interesting in my study of, of how people operate how they think I just know that some people are not motivated aesthetically um, that harmonious environment is just not important to everybody well for me it became really clear that my soul was a large part of <laughs> what, right. how I operate because I just had to have that environment to thrive yes yeah, and that doesn't mean that everybody needs that. Not everybody needs the the, the water fountain um, to to be effective. But um, you know, tell me how that person could really benefit from being more in touch with their soul mm -hmm. at work. Absolutely. So when we stop really um, segregating the components of ourself, because we have the body, heart, mind, and soul, and mm -hmm. in the workplace, we're 
we've been trained for decades that your body comes to work and your mind comes to work. Yeah. But what about the heart and soul? Yeah. And so nowadays we're trying to bring the whole person to work. And in fact, there's research that shows once you harness the whole person, you can have world-class service and products in your organization. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> because you know, my favorite thing to say, people have heard me quote this over and over time again, <laughs> um, whatever you do, you can't really be great at what you do unless you bring your whole self. Yes. And a lot of people don't understand how to access it or how to bring it to work. Yes. And I told you about my little assessment where everything's really interconnected. It is. Heart, mind, soul. We, we opt optimally work when we are engaging all those areas of our life and we don't segment them. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, that's one of the things that attracted me to your work when you said something about humanity, bringing humanity back to the workplace. Mm -hmm. It's so important to acknowledge our human selves. And I mean, it, it's kind of trite to say, well, I'm only human. Well, yeah, we're human and therefore, yes, we need to, to tap into that greater existence. Yes. Absolutely. I'm so glad to hear companies are actually hiring you and doing this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And they're, you know, trying to figure out how do you tap into that and how do you nurture that. So there's some companies that actually have meditation rooms mm -hmm. um, or quiet rooms. Some go to the extent of having prayer time. Mm -hmm. It just depends. So even though religion and spirituality are different, depends on the organization that you're in. Some will open it up and let you have prayer time. Yeah. Um, some have Bible studies. There was one company that started a Bible study and um, actually it was in a factory. So think about a factory with all men. Yeah. Mostly all men. And they started a Bible study. And their goal was to stop um, the union strike. Oh, wow. And they thought, well, you know, this company down the street, they haven't had a strike in 12 years. What are they doing? And they realized that they were doing devotionals. They were doing prayer time. So they started to do this in their company, in their factory. And um, the whole time they did it, I think it was seven or eight years, they did wow. not have one single strike. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. That's that's really I just want to leave a nice little pause there. My favorite word is say a lot. Pause and meditate. Yes. Because it's important for people to see the, the benefit of what love and harmony looks like. Yes. I mean, that's a bottom line benefit. Absolutely. It saves a company. I mean, you think about the cost of labor strikes. Yes. That saves a lot of money. Of money. And I've I learned years ago if I can't speak the language of the CFO, I might as well not export what I do. <laughs> That's have you ever quantified that savings? I have. I have actually in the, the group that I worked with that was thirty six people. Um, we quantified it. We kept track of everything that we were doing for I think it was a four year period and it was over seven million dollar savings that we quantified. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's definitely worth my pay. <laughs> it's definitely, it's so nice to be able to tie the value of your service mm -hmm. to an actual value in the company. It's, it's a squishy thing. Coaching can be very squishy. Sometimes we can really see um, a benefit, but, but oftentimes it takes years before we actually truly right. start to, to quantify that. So I'm so proud of you for doing that okay. as, a, as a woman in business, to be able to, to show the uh, the financial benefit of what you do. So, 
If people are going, okay, got to have this girl in my organization, tell us how we contact you. Okay. Well, you can go to my website. It's drdebradeen.com, and there's a contact section there, um, and that's dr for drdebradeen.com. You can also just um, call me, so I'll give you my phone number. It's area code 319-743-8344. Nice, nice. Well, um, I want a commission if they call you. <laughs> Just kidding. I hope we get a chance to do something together. I hope we do too. I think that would be a lot of fun. I hope we do too. One of the great things about the PhD with this is that it's more than just having, you know, StrengthsFinder come in or doing a Myers-Briggs test, which yeah. a lot of people can do. Um, and there's great value in those assessments. Right. But this one, all of the assessments that I can do, I can customize it for the client. Nice. And so that's what's so cool about it. Well, and when people see themselves in that assessment, if they if they see the questions really relevant to their day-to-day work, it makes a huge difference in their willingness to answer honestly, too. Yes. I've seen so many gaming and assessments in my coaching career. Yes. <laughs> I love this customization. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, most important question that we ask on this podcast is what what wine do you drink? <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's see. I like something sweet and cold. So usually I'm pretty easy. I go with like a Zinfandel or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this time of year when it's 95 degrees outside, yes. the cold wine sounds really good. Yes. 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 We had some really good wines, um, you know, real fruity and bold Yeah. back in Iowa and Kentucky. We've only been in Colorado for a year, so I haven't found well, anything. There are some Colorado yet. wines, and there's a Colorado wine-tasting place. I should probably get them to advertise on this podcast. Nice. <laughs> but it's right on 24, and it has a wide selection of Colorado wines. Yes. It's a fun place to go. They have good food, too. Oh, that'd be neat. Yeah. I'll be looking for a commission from you guys, too. <laughs> Wines of Colorado. Nice. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks Debbie. for asking. I know that we're going to do more stuff in the future. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Have a great one. You too. It's so hard to know when to stop because there's so many good things to say. So you're just going to have to join us another time. If you want more 360 Life strategies, check out our life hacks on Facebook. Make sure you stop by Pinterest for my wine palace to find out what our guests are recommending for your cellar. And, you know, if you want to just kind of hang out and uh, get an idea of what's happening with 360 Life Strategies, check out Donna Carlson 360 on Instagram. I hope you'll join us again next week, and I hope you make it a really great day. two loveliest sounds in the world are the sounds of a cork popping and the sound of a wine bottle pouring.